we are not rational players. We tend to like sit it out. Um, right. And what yes and does is it, it's literally a nudge to do the opposite right. and more than the opposite. It's not just about saying yes. So saying yes is great, but the and is crucial. You have to um, build on the other person's ideas. You have to explore and heighten everything they, they bring to you. You have to risk looking ridiculous. Right. And what we know is that when people do that, that's where the good stuff is. Yes. Not all of it. There's going to be right. there's going to be a lot sure. of failure along the way. Right. But folks, there is anyway. <laughs> Even if you sit it out, there's going to be <laughs> failure right. in sitting it out. That's right. So might as well get up there and 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 risk and have some fun doing it. Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man Audley Stevenson, the Odd Man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings and salutations, folks. It's Audley Stevenson back for another edition of Hands Down, the most audacious podcast you'll find on the internet. Uh, this, of course, is the Audacious Living Podcast, and I appreciate you, as always, for being here as we continue our ongoing goal of helping our listeners live their best audacious lives ever. As always, I encourage you to connect with us on our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. If you head over to our YouTube channel and, and tap the notification bell down below, ding, ding, ding. And that way you can stay connected to all good things audacious related. Now we've got a fun episode of, of the podcast coming your way as Kelly Leonard of Second City joins us. And we have a wonderful chat about the awesome power of improvisation. In addition to being a speaker and author, Kelly serves as the Executive Director of Learning and Applied Improvisation at Second City, you know, where he started 33 years ago as a dishwasher, and he eventually moved on to become theater producer and a, an executive vice president through 2015. Uh, he's had the pleasure of working along some heavyweights uh, and talented individuals, uh, Stephen Colbert, Tina Fey, Seth Meyers, Mike Myers, just to name a few. Uh, he's the author, I mentioned he was an author, he's the author of the book Yes And, uh, which is an insightful read because it really helps map out the idea that human beings have a tendency to say no or do nothing. And, and the yes and part, or the yes part, is the exact opposite. That that and component is, is, is also key because it forces you to build on other people's ideas. And look, I remember taking an improv course at Second City years ago, and the yes and concept is something that's always stayed with me and uh, really powerful and impacts your entire life potentially and those around you. Uh, I really enjoyed my chat with Kelly and I, and I think there's many fine nuggets of insights that all of you will take away as well too. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Kelly Leonard. Enjoy. Kelly, thank you for joining me here on the Audacious Living Podcast. So wonderful to make some time and, and hang out like this. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for having me. 
it, it, it's, it's, you know, when, when I was thinking about this conversation and, and I was gonna, we were having together uh, and thinking, uh, again, and we go back to sort of the themes of the podcast around, well, boldness and, and audacious and why those things are so important. The topic of improv just naturally fits into it. And, 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 sure. and you would know this through your work with Second City, but it just, it just naturally makes sense. I wonder maybe, let's, let's kind of start there as a starting point yeah. and why that's such a, a great fit. Well, I think you have to be fairly bold to get up in front of an audience with absolutely no script and then <laughs> try to and, and then entertain them um, right. uh, and, and create content and create characters and everything it takes. And I think, you know, the, the sort of root principles of improvisation map really nicely to things that we know in behavioral economics or behavioral science. So many people are familiar with uh, the improv term, yes, and it was the title of my book about how we take improv principles into organizations to help them thrive. And what that really maps to is this idea that human beings tendency is to say no or do nothing. That's what behavioral economists figured out. We are not rational players. We tend to like sit it out. Um, right. And what yes and does is it, it's literally a nudge to do the opposite right. and more than the opposite. It's not just about saying yes. The saying yes is great, but the and is crucial. You have to um, build on the other person's ideas. You have to explore and heighten everything they, they bring to you. You have to risk looking ridiculous. Right. And what we know is that when people do that, that's where the good stuff is. Yes. Not all of it. There's going to be right. there's going to be a lot sure. of failure along the way. Right. But folks, there is anyway. <laughs> Even if you sit it out, there's going to be <laughs> failure right. in sitting it out. That's right. So <laughs> might as well get up there and 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 risk and have some fun doing it. I I, I like the and and so and, I, and I'll, I'll go back. You know, I I once upon a time I took I think it's uh, the first two levels A and B of the, the improv improvisation mm -hmm. course. And uh, the the yes and theory was probably that you you always that one takeaway if you will. For, yeah. Yes and not only was it a key takeaway, I started to see a difference when I kind of just instituted in my everyday life. Right. Not, so nothing to do with getting up on stage and entertaining people, but right. just the whole idea of just okay, let's give it a shot. And 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 one of the things that come out is the whole whole idea of, of, of well, collaboration because you're mm -hmm. you, you got to but then you, you have the opportunity to innovate and create yes. and that for that part for me is probably one of the most exciting things about it well I think this there's a really important distinction here which is uh, people tend to conflate creativity and innovation but they are two okay. different things mm -hmm. so you can have um, creativity with no innovation uh, but you can't have innovation without creativity uh, creativity is uh, the front end of this. Uh, right. It's where the messy stuff exists. It's where there is like high degree of failure. But then when you get to innovation, there's a lot of no. Uh, there's a <laughs> lot of editing. Right. You're really, you're, that is where you're scripting. Uh, so, so that is less about in, 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 uh, about an improvised space uh, than it is in, inside creativity. And that's like a yin and yang. Those things work, right. work together all the time. So when, when you understand that all this stuff is in, at play, basically in every interaction we have throughout a day. Mm -hmm. and, and this is the thing I, I want to stress, which is like, as I've gotten older and, and I've learned more, um, right. I don't think as a young person, I understood the idea that meaning was made in moments, but it is. Mm. It's that it's, it's the moment of a conversation that was unexpected. It's, it's the moment of, of a, a collaboration that you didn't expect to happen. It's right. recognizing that you're going to get you're going to fail. You're going to be defeated. Yep. And, and if you can reframe that as an opportunity, that's, that's, that's when good stuff happens. And that's what separates the people who are bold and successful uh, right. from the people who are, you know, not. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that, that, and that's just, that's, I think that's proven out both by science, but also by my lived experience. I'm sure that's right. by yours as well. Sure, sure, sure. Well, look, th- this, this conversation, we got together mm-hmm. based on another, I, I, I was having a conversation in a totally different realm in a business yeah. world and yeah. it led to us here. And, and, yeah. and I, that couldn't have been scripted. No, right? absolutely but, not. But, but a part about that is, is, is that the whole idea theme of going with the flow and, and seeing yeah. where it takes you, right? So there's yeah. a certain level of acceptance that you've got to, and, and this might be challenging for people who like to hold on and know what's around around the corner. You've got to be able to let go to, to allow things to happen. So there's various enemies of creativity uh, <laughs> and chief among them is the need to be right. Right. Um, you, you cannot, you, you are not being creative if you are self-judging and it, or, and, or in judgment of others. You can't be, you cannot right. be creative and you can't be creative when you're in, in, in fear and you can't be truly creative when you're just trying to hold on to everything and, and script that encounter. We, we, we talk about the idea of you, you bring a brick, not a cathedral uh, to the conversation, to the scene, to whatever you're doing, um, because you don't know this act of co-creation. You're just not sure of what's going to happen. Yeah. Again, another map here is you think of a various innovation processes uh, in improvisation, we're rapid prototyping our, our ideas in front of audiences. Right. Stand-up comedians do this. It's why they play those little clubs where they do five minute sets because they can bomb and it doesn't matter. But then they're also going to find out what works, refine that. So then it becomes part of their complete HBO special when, right. when, they, when they need not to fail. Right. Uh, but but again, you, you, that that front end it doesn't you you need that you absolutely need that and and that's hard. I mean, this is where our brains aren't wired to be that way. You know, sure. evolutionarily speaking, yep. we are running from tigers. Um, we're not running to catch the bus. Uh, so when we can figure out that, oh, okay, this is these are the biases that I've got, which are are, are many were there to protect us. So they're not yes. bad or they're not yes. good. They just are. Mm-hmm. So we recognize that. And then improvisation is actually a specific practice in the skills of getting beyond that. Gotcha. It's the skill of accepting feedback. It's the skill of staying inside, staying inside a difficult conversation. It's the skill of listening. All, all of which are all of which are very can be very very difficult. And I'm gonna go to that last point of yeah. listening because for a lot of people, and because because a big part of listening is really staying present is it not kelly it is it is so you can't be um uh, lingering in the past or catastrophizing about the future you have to be fiercely in the moment um and and we haven't we have so many exercises that that deal with one of my favorites is called last word and so if the two of us are having a conversation that's the exercise we have a conversation Uh the one rule is each of us has to start uh our part of our sentence with the last word the other person said oh wow which forces you to actually listen to the end of someone's sentence. But I don't want to listen. I got to tell you what I'm thinking. I got no time to listen to you. And you can see it. You can see on stage when you're creating content how you would have to do that because that last, you know, few words could be really important. Oh, maybe that's true in real life and not just on the stage. <laughs> that's funny. I, I do one one of the exercises that I remember, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is it's it's very similar to this, is where one individual comes on the stage and um, uh, they set the scene. So they're creating a, a kitchen. So they do something mm-hmm. in a kitchen and they exit. And the next person that comes in has to pick up what that person did and then add to it, right? Yes, and that's so. Right. That's the when you talk about co-creation or building the whole idea of building that brick. It very much is what can we do together to make something out of nothing. 
what I what I love about that exercise is it it, it speaks to the physical nature of uh, of this and why that's so important. I, I just on my podcast interviewed a, a science writer by the name of Annie Murphy Paul. Okay. And she has this terrific book called The Extended Mind. Okay. And one of the things she suggests is that uh, we have bad metaphors for thinking. When we think uh, of the brain as a computer, that's mm -hmm. not really correct because a computer can be anywhere outside, inside. It operates the same. Not true with human beings. And one of her big points is that our body is speaking to us before our mind is. Okay. So many, many actors, when they're learning their lines, they wait to really cement that until they're blocking their lines on the stage because they know this physical movement can equate itself to memory. Right. Um, and, and they just think about like, um, you know, when you're, when you're nervous about something, your body is telling you something yes, is actually does. telling you something. And so listening to that. And I thought, I thought was such a radical idea because I think we always think like it's all going on up, up here in our, in right. our brain, but no, it's going on everywhere at the everywhere. same time and sometimes differently. Uh, and I think this is just really, the more you can understand, uh, the reasons we might be getting it wrong, which yes. we do a lot. Right. Right. That gives you a fighting chance to get it right. And I, <laughs> and I just think it's, it's hard for us to even acknowledge uh, that we might be getting it wrong because we, we don't want to look foolish well, sure. or silly. Yeah. Um, but it, like when you're improvising, you're going to look foolish and silly. It's like right. that gets thrown out the window. That's, that's, like day two. that's right. You accept that going in. Right. So mm -hmm. you have to know that, uh, you know, as you're talking about the idea of the, the need to be right and, and what we get wrong, you know, I truly believe that, you know, even, all of us have something that we really, really believe in that yeah. we're wrong about. Yeah. There's like, it's something yeah. right that yes. we're absolutely wrong, but we believe it. And, and, you know, we're waiting for all the evidence the world to tell us differently. And even then we still might not believe it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's a total thing I've learned as I've gotten older is like, I really think that, I mean, especially in the last couple of years, right. With everything we've gone through, sure. um, you know, with, with COVID and with the social justice movement and, and having to acknowledge that we have some bad systems. Well, okay, here's my here's my biggest example, which is the educational system in okay. America, at least, okay. is built on a factory model. It is not built on the science of how we learn, uh, because the science of how we learn is by getting it wrong, not getting it right. So right. if we're going to base everything on standardized tests, it is not acknowledging truly how people learn right. or, or where the where their minds what yeah. their minds are capable of. Yeah, yeah, or even acknowledging the, the learning styles. Yeah, just oh, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, so if you want to talk about boldness? It's like yeah. let's change the thing that's wrong right, right. about the way we teach people, and then we'll work on work and everything that's wrong there, yes. um, and then we'll work on other other stuff. But I mean, God, let's get it right for the kids at least. Yeah. No. Well, the, I, I think we we have to be forced to change. So, for example, yeah. in the world of work. COVID forced us to change how we work. So sure now it's acceptable it. to be yep. sitting in your basement working on, you know, or talking through Zoom all day long. And, you know, the whole, you know, once upon a time it was, you know, you had to be at your desk because someone had to watch you and make sure you're doing your work. And then, you know, you have your hour lunch or whatever and you go to work. And then you leave at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock and your day is done. Well, now that's changed because COVID forced us to change. Right. I work at a live theater that did primarily, and, and we do live workshops and, and that was our business. And now we have a multi-million dollar uh, digital learning company. Wow. Um, we, we're, we're doing live as well, uh, but but we we were able to shift just basically all that business uh, online with everyone else. And yeah. I'm not saying it's better per se, but some aspect, aspects of it are. And, and one of them is the fact that it can be so inclusive. So whereas we were probably working with 30 people in a room at any given time. I'm now giving keynotes for 3000 people all over the world at the same time. 
Wow. That's cool. Wow. Very cool. Right. But you wouldn't yeah. have, well, again, we were forced to do that. We were we forced to. And, 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 and so what we teach at, at Second City is uh, we get people to, to do these practices to force them to disrupt themselves. Mm. So, so if we want you, we, we want to be divergent thinkers, yes. which means that we have to upset the patterns that we see in front of us, um, because we're always trying to tell a story of the world to make sense of the world. Yeah, yeah, and yes. as we have pointed out, that story is often wrong or <laughs> right. riddled with errors. Right. And so this, this idea of sort of divergent thinking, I'll give you an example of, of one of the exercises that we do is called yep. point, point and untell. Okay. And what we do is we flash images okay. uh, and it could be a, a, a ball or a wagon, uh, a blender. Your job is to point at that image and say any word that it isn't. Okay. So literally, that, it seems like the easiest thing because right, right, right. it's not, it is not easy. And, and you figure that out, you're like, well, why is that not easy? It's like, because our brains go to this association that a red ball is a red ball. And so when I call it a wheelbarrow, it, it's like there is, it's, right. it is a lot of mental work to get, right. get to me, me to go there. So that's the kind of stuff that we have to practice if we want to be original thinkers. Original thinking isn't easy. Right. You, you use the word disrupt, and I think that is absolutely perfect uh, in line with this conversation because mm. everything that we know to be true, understand to be true, as we just talked about, uh, can be disrupted by changing the way we think. I'm sorry, I wonder if you could sort of touch on just the disruption in general and, and how important that is to have that skill, because I think it's a skill. No, it is a skill. And, and, it, and the word got a bit cliche, uh, in, in, I think mostly in the tech world, but it, but it still remains true. Um, uh, when we talk about disruption, um, underneath that mm -hmm. are the ability to be agile, uh, yeah. the ability to be change ready, and the ability to be resilient. Um, mm -hmm. Because disruption is by its nature an act of rebellion. And um, I just interviewed uh, uh, the scientist Todd Cashton on his book, The Art of Insubordination. Okay. And he basically starts with all the people who were beheaded uh, before Darwin uh, said what he said. <laughs> all the other people who kind of were going there and it didn't work out for them. Right. And so he paints this picture of like this stuff, the, the, the disruptors, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're risking a lot. And then he goes later in the book of here's the ways you can do this skillfully. One of the ways he says is adding humor and play uh, mm. to it, which I thought was really, really interesting. Among yeah. um, but to be disruptive, um, while it's crucial mm. in organizations, it's not always welcome. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is a, just a thing you have to be careful about. You, you know, if, if you're lucky and you've got a good boss and you've got a good team around you, you can do the work, you can do, yes. do this work, but it's going to require that sort of buy-in. So, so really, you know, really creative companies make space for this. Yes. Um, and, and a lot of it is sort of like a failure space. And I was just reading about uh, a, a CEO, I forget what company it was, but every year, whatever their most expensive product failure was, right. they do like a full like party about it. Uh, and they also talk about what they learned about it and why it was important. Amazing. That failure. So it's, 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 it's actually, you know, turning accepting, failure. Almost accepting it, right? Like, yeah, well, it's, it's turning failure into learning. Yeah. So it's yeah. learning. Yeah. No, I think it's great because it's, 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 it's accepting that it is the, almost part of the norm, right? This is. As because it is. Well, well I, I agree with you, but 
we're still here's, not my, here's my example. Sports is a great example. Yes. Which is oh, okay. So if you're going in for your job review, like okay. with your boss, yep. and you failed 70% of the time, mm-hmm. you're probably getting fired, I guess, right? Um, yeah. If you're a major league hitter <laughs> and you go in and you haven't hit the ball 70% of the time, you're a 300 hitter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so so that and that that applies very broadly, I think, to to the world of work. It's like how many typos did you maybe put into that email? Right. Like everyone like every other i i, I yes. don't know i'm sure i got some syntax wrong yeah, but yeah. like that's a failure so there's there's ones we accept um and look the re- the reason you want to make space for failure is so that you don't fail again mm. and, you, and 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 i'm not talking about like fiasco failure right it's sort of like normal everyday yeah, fails maybe yeah. that we talk about right um and and that paves the way for what uh, amy edmondson calls psychological safety which is just the 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 factor you need to have sort of group success if, if you're trying to innovate. Right. And, and 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 knowing that you're in an environment that allows you to be okay with failing or be okay with trying or doing something new, that 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 changes the landscape because you've got an entire organization or entire company that just says, let's give it a shot and see where it goes. Right. 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 And, and well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just think of like the great. I think like Greg Popovich, you know, like, right. like these coaches who, who just, you know, they, they make space, they understand the importance of culture on business outcomes. Yes. Um, and so they treat people as the, they see them as the individuals they are. And then they, and then they teach them how to come together and sacrifice uh, their own success as a group. And that's why they've had such success over so many years. It's just mm-hmm. an incredible acknowledgement of culture and practice yeah, uh, yeah. together. And yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I think, did you just become the winningest coach or second? Yeah, 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 you got up there. Yep. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. And all, and like basically every other coach was like, this guy is, yeah. is great. And it's like, yeah, yeah then the more leaders should, you know, model that behavior. Yeah. I have a thing that we had Joe, Joe Madden won the World Series for us uh, here with the Cubs. Yep. Um, and one of my favorite things that he does. Uh, is if you get in trouble, like you've broken a, a club rule. Okay. Uh, what you do is you have to go to his office. He has a bowl with a bunch of white slips of paper. You take that out. On it is a very expensive wine. You go and buy that wine, come it back, and you drink it with Joe Madden while you talk about the thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> is that that great that's your punishment i love it it's well it, you know it's almost like breaking bread it's like it's like you know he, yeah. he gets a great wine it's like yeah. you gotta kind of go do this work yeah you come out and you just like have yes. glasses of wine and talk that's it, that's it. oh i, I again uh, if if if, if more more of our organization can practice that kind of culture, creating that kind of culture i think that you, you know we often talk about you know innovation productivity and how it would skyrocket Kelly, yeah. it really would, because yeah. because people, when you create a space for people to be free, and that's really what we're doing here. You know, you can get they're not looking over their shoulder, they're yep. not wondering if this is okay, they're not worried about messing up, they're just being free. That's when you'll see results exponentially grow. Uh, Stephen Covey has got a new book coming out called Trust and Inspire, and he talks about, you know, it used to be command and control, yes, uh, which is all hierarchy, yes. and then it became benevolent command and control. So people were nicer. Nice they were it. still command and control. And he goes, right. nope, you got to move to trust your people. Um, mm. And 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 they they will be inspired and you you will inspire them. And it's that level of autonomy. Now there's other, other there's, you know, it's, it, there's accountability, you know, you still got to get the work done, but, but the micromanaging uh, does not allow for someone to thrive and people, there's so much science in this. People really aren't working for the paycheck. 
Right. People are working because they care about the thing and they love the thing that they're doing. Right, 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 right. Kelly, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the history of, of Second City, only because I think sometimes there's a misconception around why people get into improv. Not yeah. everyone's trying to be a, com- a comedian. Nope. No one's trying to get up on stage and make yeah. people laugh. There's another aspect of this, and I think too, it, when you sort of look at the history and uh, you know how it got started, you know, it was it was it was more than just playing games and having fun, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, the origin space for the improv games that make up the training that Second City eventually did was started by a woman named Viola Spolin in the 20s and 30s at Jane Addams Hull House on the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And her job was to better assimilate immigrant children coming into her care. So she created these games, many of which were in gibberish because the kids didn't always share language. Right. Um, and they would come together and they would empathize and communicate and communicate with their whole bodies because if they didn't have a language thing. And, and then these games, though, were fun. Uh, and, and, right. and her son, Paul Sills, was studying at the University of Chicago. So he taught these games to his friends, Mike Nichols, Elaine May, Barbara Harris, Alan Arkin. They form the first improvisational theater in America called the Compass Players in 1957 that morphs into the second city by 1959. And then when we started offering classes here, yes, we got the people who wanted to get on the stage so they could get to Saturday Night Live. Sure. But not right now, I would say 70% of the you know 5,000 people who are studying with us right now at the Second City are not here to do that. Right. Um, they are looking to upskill. They're looking, they're, they were in a failed marriage. They're looking to find a new job. They're looking to find what their passion is um, because these, improv exercises are in fact like human being practice. Mm. It, it, it is the way we look at each other in the eye. It's the way that we tell our stories uh, so to be seen or to be heard. Um, it is incredibly powerful um, for that three hours that you're in that room because you're not looking at your phone. Right. <laughs> no, there's just you yeah. and other people. And, and when you're improvising, the the job of the person improvising for you is to save you and vice versa. Ah, that is, that is, that oh, is rule number one. I love I'm that. here to save you. I um, and that. I, and I'm here to make you look good. And if I do that, I will look good. And, and look, we're best known for producing countless stars, sure, just sure. star upon star upon star. Isn't it interesting that all these stars are grounded in the work of making other people look good? And vice versa. And that's yeah. why so many of them work with other Second City people when they get on things like 30 Rock or yeah. Cheers or whatever, whatever that SNL right. is because that that's that's how they're used to doing this. So there's, right. no, there's no ego trip. I mean, it, you, you have to surrender that ego to be really good at this work. Great word, surrender. That's a great, great word. Giving up. I mean, again, we just talked about people who want to be right and know what's coming around the corner. Letting all of that go and knowing full well. And the other part you said I loved as well. You know, save you. I'm I'm here to save you, Kelly, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that people walk away going, "Wow, that Kelly is great." Right. And same here. They, right? it, and and showing up in when when you show up like that, you're replacing blame with curiosity. Yeah. You are simply sort of acknowledging that, you know, anything could happen. I I got a great example of this. Um, So I started working on the proposal for my follow-up book uh, to Yes And, Mm -hmm. um, and my publisher is HarperCollins, and they have first started refusal. And my agent was really happy with it. He's like, this looks, this looks great. You've got all these stories and all the work you've done with the behavioral science community. I sent it off and we get an email. No. Uh, that uh, she passed, uh, publisher, and I'm devastated. This is just last mm. week. 
but I'm like, it took me maybe a half hour yep. to like go, okay, l- l- what are my best practices in this situation? And, and right. I reread the email yep. and saw that my publisher said, Hey, I love Kelly. If he wants to talk to me about this, have him give me a call. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to reframe this. So I sent a note. Yeah, let's get on the phone. So we talked Monday of this week. Yep. And within 10 minutes, she's like, oh yeah, I like what I'm hearing here. Let's cut, <laughs> let's cut through this. Go work on this new new pros proposal with the with the way you're talking about with me. Send it to me. I'll collaborate with you on this to get it into good shape. Wow. And so I'm like, my entire world got okay, or at least you know better, simply by like not giving into my fear or shame mm-hmm. or any of that stuff, and simply going, eh, let's see what happens if we approach this a slightly yep. different way. Yeah. Kelly, I, so, so so first off, great story and congrats for, for, for doing that. But the part that I zeroed in right away on is you you had something happen to you. It devastated you. You accepted it. You didn't reject it and go, oh, yep. you accepted it. Yep. And then it was like, okay, now what? Now right? what? And so, and so for me, uh, I even think that's a, a wonderful lesson that we can take and how, you know, we, and, and, and we talk about dealing with adversity and challenges yeah. and all these sorts of things, things that happen to you. It's like, okay, so what do you do after that? And that uh, story does it there. Uh, my wife. So, so right when, uh, we got shut down by COVID. So two years ago, uh, uh, the very first, uh, uh, we had a live workshop that we were supposed to do for a soft drink company. Okay. Um, and they were one of the first to say, yep, let, we can flip, flip it virtually, but can we adjust the topic to be about resilience? Okay. And so I'm like, yep, we can do it. And uh, my wife is an educator and longtime Second City. She ran the training center for a decade here. Um, I was like, do you have any resilience exercises that I might not know about? She's like, I actually just invented one. So this exercise is called, is called WISH. And what you do is you get a piece of paper and you make three columns. In the first column, you write down a wish of something you wanted to do right now that you couldn't. So I I wrote down uh, swimming in salt water. In the second column, you write down the emotion you think you'd feel if you were able to have the wish. And I wrote refreshed. In the final column, you write down something you could do right now to experience that emotion. So I had splash water on my face or workout. And what this shows you is that you might have zero agency around your circumstances, the yes. one thing you have agency over is your emotional response to that. Right, right. And 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 you, it forces you to be creative about how you can get that, that emotion, right? Yeah, and, 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 so, you know, and this is the thing, like if I wanted to swim in salt water, I would have to get on a plane, I right. pay money, get on a plane, go there, there. And this other activity is so much easier. Right. Uh, and and I, I, I'm just about to interview Lydie Klotz, who's this fascinating academic who's uh, both uh, engineer, architect, and behavioral scientist. Uh, and he has a book called Subtract, because he okay. says, when we approach problems, we're always adding more and more and more, when in reality, often we should just be subtracting, subtracting, subtracting. Right. Right. And that's, to me, another one of uh, uh, another sort of uh, um, uh, way to think about the, our, how we get thinking wrong. Uh, and that's that maybe it's like reducing the steps might find the thing. Uh, right. What's the easier path? So in this case, my publisher, it's like, I didn't have to go through my agent. I could have just called her in the first well, place. Well, <laughs> when you look back, and oh, yeah, I could have saved the time and done it myself. Saved the whole time because she would have been like, yeah, let's beat this thing out. I'm like, well, all right, live and learn. You know, as you gave that illustration about the splashing water or that exercise, which is a great one, and I am going to have to to, to uh, uh, use that one of these days. So, you know, my, my son's 15 years old. He loves basketball. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, his coach wants him to be more offensive. 
right? Yep. And his coach said, you got to do more, you got to do more, you got to do more. And he's like, yeah, but he likes to pass, right? He likes to pass. And, and, and uh, but there's instances where he'll, he'll, he, you can see him getting into the game, like whether he gets a, he'll hit a big shot. And all of a sudden, he, you know, he gets up, he starts clapping on the court. And his coach said, okay, so what do we got to do? What zone do we got to put you in where you can be in that space all the time? And hmm. so, so, so what is that thing that you, that you like to do? And if we can get you in that space, how do we extend that and keep you there kind of a thing? And That's so right. it's, it's very much about finding our sweet spot, right? What That's is right. your sweet spot? Because that's where we will perform the best. Yeah. I mean, flow states are a real thing. Um, mm. and, and it's, it's not, it's not just like having a hot hand that, that actually the, the averages don't work out that, that it's, it's, right. it's random, right. but a flow state is when you're combining this sort of love of what you're doing with a, with a deep sense of competency. Yeah. Um, and then the ability to sort of that, that's where you want to be working from when you're writing your novel or composing your song or playing in the playoffs, you know, you want, yeah. you want to attach that. And, and the reality is we don't do it alone. So, so then you're talking about group flow and, and that's a thing. There's a concept in improvisation called follow the follower. Okay. It's an exercise and an idea, but essentially okay. the exercise allows people to sort of mirror each other back and forth. And, and what we're getting at is real leadership trades off um, uh, that, that, you know, at, at, you know, I'm not, I'm not, if you got a math problem, don't come to me. Uh, but if you want to get a good bottle of wine, I can, I can get gotcha. that for you. If, if gotcha. you need me to write an op-ed, I, I can do that. But if you want me to figure out how to uh, do something on the computer, the wrong guy. Gotcha. And, that, and that that's exists in, in all the different groups. So you yep. want to really focus on people, on the things they're, they're good at and not the things they're bad at. The, the idea that like, I, I should start going to like math classes at right. my age is like right. ridiculous. Right. Um, so what you, what you really want to do is focus on what you're good at and how that intersects inside your team. Right. And then, and then, so when it comes around to the thing I'm good at, and we have a phrase at second city, all of us are better than one of us um, because it's that, that group. So, so like I, we're going to be good at so many things when we're tapping in to the full group. Right. Right. How much do you love being in that environment, Kelly? Because you, you know the, the, the second city environment, the improv space, that world—it yeah. it feels like it's just constant creativity, like it's constant, yeah. always. Like, well, I've, I've been here thirty-three years. It is like I, I started as a dishwasher in nineteen eighty-eight. Wow. Um, so Mike Myers was on stage. Chris Farley just got hired in the touring company, and so. Right. You know, I met my wife here. My my kids grew up here. Um, I, no, I absolutely it, the, the to be around just consecutive generations of young talent. My my first cast in 1992 when I became the producer of Second City mm -hmm. was Chris Farley. Wow. Uh, or I'm sorry, was Stephen Colbert, uh, Steve Carell, and Amy Sedaris wow. uh, among others. I mean, wow. it, like first first cast. Wow. Uh, I hired Tina Fey and Rachel Dratch and the, like all those folks and Keegan Michael Key and Jason Sudeikis and so to work with those folks and be inspired by them and then have them go on to such great success. But then the great thing is like, what's the next generation up to? Yeah. And by the way, they're different. So yeah. it also requires you. I mean, the great trade-off here is um, I get to learn about great new music and the yes. attitudes of new generations, <laughs> yes. and they get to benefit from my experience and expertise over the years. And that's a great combo. Yeah, totally. Like I said, it's just, it's, it's, uh, I, I, 
yeah, that, the, I get it. the idea of being in that space is just mm-hmm. is just phenomenal, and exciting. Um, last, I just want to ask one, and, and Kelly, this has been great, by the way. Yes, I really appreciate this. Uh, look again, you know, and again, I go back to the the, the exchange, email exchange we're setting this up. It was like, I don't know, let's turn this thing on and talk. And yep. you know, <laughs> and I think the beauty the, the beauty of it is that you, while you have a general idea where you want to go, right? Yeah. You don't exactly know the path that you'll take to get there. No, but as you go along it, you're accepting of the twists and the turns, you know, keeping in mind the yes ands and, yeah. and how we build and collaborate. And that for me is the best part about this because you now can apply that to everyday life. And yep. you know, I, I can bring it full circle to the podcast and why it helps us to be more audacious and why there's benefit in us being audacious because it allows an opportunity for us to co-collaborate and build together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, you have to know your stories. Uh, so you have to have an idea of who, who you are and what your authentic sure. point of view is. And that's that that gets honed, uh, you know, over the years. You have to trust that you can call on that stuff at any given moment. Yeah. And then this this other idea, which is the scariest one, is I have to trust the person across from me that they're going to help me succeed. Right. Um, and and that is not always true with people you don't know and even sometimes with people you do know. And so I think you learn over time to try to you just got to try to surround yourself with the people who are going to hold you up and not hold yeah. you down. Yeah. And then of course, practice, 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 we, practice. As much as we talk about this, it's still, it's still, you don't learn until you regularly and it, do it. Right. And it's not just scrimmaging. It, right. it's, it's, it's not just, you know, game practice. It's like, what are the skills underneath the game? You know, that, that's, that's, that professional athletes do drills yes. for a reason. Yes. And, you know, and, Billions of uh, uh, dollars are on the line in business, and no one practices. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. That's actually a good point. I love that one. I love that one. As you talk about business, what, what are reactions of leaders when they when you sort of open this world up to them who may not necessarily have seen the benefits of improvisation and how it fits into the, the business world? Well, they're a lot more receptive right now than they were 25 years ago. I'll tell you <laughs> that. True. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I think there's a, you know, what, we have the benefit of many, many business books delving into improvisation and, and studies that we've done or others have done that show neurologically why, why it's important, psych- psychologically why it's important. Um, and, and, and so I'll give you an example. Uh, the, one of our biggest client sectors is Sil- Silicon Valley and tech. Uh, And part of that is because these young kids who are so smart, who are coming in to work there, don't know how to talk to each other. Right. Their heads are down. That's right. Yeah. And so, so the idea of this thing that we call soft skills, which is hilarious because it's the hardest thing to to do, (laughs) you know, getting these, getting these kids to like put their camera on, uh, on, on a zoom session that we're doing. It's like, that's the whole point of what we're doing here. Um, you know, so, so yeah, we're, we're, we're in high demand for anywhere that needs their people to perform. Uh, and, and the great thing about that is the future of work is just that, you know, because uh, uh, automated uh, machine learning, AI, all that stuff, they're going to take all the rote jobs. Yes. They're even going to take some of the jobs that surgeons do because yeah. the machines are going to be able to do that better. Yeah. The stuff that, that they're going to need us humans for is the messy stuff of yes. problem solving, storytelling. Yes. Um, robots can't improvise and they're not funny. So right. that's good for us. Still, I mean, it's, it's, we're it's, still it's, ahead. It's, we're still ahead there. Yeah, we're still, yeah. Humans one, robot zero on that count. <laughs> that's awesome. Kelly, this is great. Uh, for, for listeners who want to check more about your, your podcast, yep. uh, more as the second city, where, where, where can we send them? 
uh, if they go to uh, secondcityworks.com um, or they can find me on Twitter, KL Second City. Um, and, and yeah, we, everything's there. We, we post the podcast every week, but all the different things that we do and including coming to shows, the live theaters back open, back, come on yes. down. That's going to be exciting. Yeah. I love it. Amazing. Kelly, I love this. Thank you so much for taking the time. This is better than I would ever imagine. I had a lot of fun with you and thanks for the insights. Much appreciated. Thanks, Adley. Take care. Back, we are here on the podcast, and it was great to chat with, with Kelly uh, about the benefits of improv and how it can improve our day-to-day lives, as well as our relationship with others and our ability to collaborate and, and create together. Uh, so again, Kelly, thanks for being here so much. It was so much appreciated, and I, again, it was awesome. You know, um, when I reflect on my conversation with Kelly, he really left us with a lot of great points and great insights, but if there's just one thing that I take away from our conversation with him, it would be this. To have any measure of success in the field of improvisation, you first have to be prepared to make bold choices. After all, it's in those daring moments that we make our moment that will stand out most in people's minds. Now, many don't immediately make the connection to the fact that improv can assist us in our day-to-day lives, but it really can. You know, improvisation can improve our ability to focus what's in front of us, which in turn helps us to remain present and stay in the moment. Our ability to recognize the subtle cues increases, and we naturally develop an awareness of our surroundings. We listen better, we become more creative, we, we collaborate effectively, and we learn to play better and enjoy the moments, and list goes on and on and on. While we may not know exactly where we'll end up, when we start the journey of improvisation, we'll never get there until we are brave enough or audacious enough to take that first step into the unknown. Hey, listen, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, please know that you can do so simply by heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com, enter in your email address, and you'll be alerted every time we've got brand new content that comes out. We've reached the end of another episode uh, of the podcast, and I say my thanks as always to our amazing listeners, all those lovers of audaciousness. Uh, Your tremendous support is so much appreciated. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.